welcome to Romancing the Amazon. I'm Melody. I'm Zoe. And I'm Elizabeth. Each week we pick a romance novel that's being offered for free in the Kindle store on Amazon. We read it and we review it for you guys. This week we're doing something a little bit different. We've had a few of these episodes before. We pick a new theme each month and April's theme will be Regency romance novels. <laughs> so we like to do a little introduction to the theme when we can. If we know that there are going to be tropes, 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 tropes <laughs> galore. And uh, Regency, I'll just dive right in. Regency is one of those genres that we have all probably read a lot of. Yeah, it's actually not one of my favorites unless it's really good and then I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, I love Regency. But it's not one that I would just automatically pick up off the shelf. Maybe because it's so prolific. Perhaps. It's one of my go-tos. If I'm not sure what kind of romance I want to read, I'll, I'll usually I'll start with contemporary, but then I'll hit up some Regency. For those of you who might not be as familiar with the genre and what we're talking about when we mean Regency, the Regency period um, refers to the time when Prince Regent, who became George IV, ruled for his father, who'd been declared unfit to rule because of illness. And so he was kind of running the country even though he wasn't king. So it was a really short period from like 1811 to 1820. But when you're talking about the romance genre, pretty much anything after the American Revolution until the Victorian period mm-hmm, gets yeah. lumped in with Regency. Yep. So anything set during that time period is called a Regency. Yeah, so think Pride and Prejudice, think Bridgerton, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. think Jane Austen, and who else? I don't know, think satin dresses being ripped off the bodice. <laughs> 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 I guess it's technically definitely, the bodice being ripped off. <laughs> I would definitely put it as the most popular historical time period to set romance novels. Would you guys yeah. agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it has to do with one of the big tropes, which is dukes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is a big one. Yes. Uh-huh. Dukes. Dukes get their own trope, man. There are but more dukes get their own trope <laughs> in one Regency romance. <laughs> we have there girls, are in we life. have viscounts. We have it's all aristocracy. We have yeah, lords. It is. Well, lord is how you refer to someone with a title. But it's definitely the aristocracy thing cuz I think mm-hmm. You've got this very unique microcosm of like an entire society that is focused on with Mm -hmm, these stories, right? Because you read a Regency romance and it's not going to be about the working class. No. Right? It's very much set in the aristocracy with these balls and house parties and calling on each other and taking tea. Mm -hmm. And there's just a set of, I don't know, it's a unique setting. Mm -hmm. And I think people are drawn to that. Yep. Very focused on advantageous marriages, mm-hmm. um, the season in London. Mm-hmm. A lot of social maneuvering, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I bet that's why it's so popular. The whole setup of the season and everything is to find a husband or wife, depending on your mm-hmm. gender. And so the romance aspect is what draws you to it because that wasn't actually a big part of people getting married in the aristocracy. True. In the Regency era. But we like for them to fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. There's this whole season set up specifically to find a spouse and get married. And so that lends itself really well to romance stories where you've got two characters that you're trying to set up to get married. 
I think it also provides like an interesting way to explore female agency. Yes. Since you have this setting where everything is about finding an advantageous match. And so for modern authors, how you go about doing that, like what does it mean to get a character in this setting where women have certain expectations? How do you make her story fulfilling and interesting to a modern day reader? Yeah. Yeah. That is something I was going to mention is that it's very common to have anachronistic Mm -hmm. female leads, Mm -hmm. heroines who act much more modern than they actually would at the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's done really, really well. And other times it's just like, oh, dear God, you're not in the Regency period at all. Why did you choose this time period? (laughs) That's probably one of my marks of a really good Regency is when they strike that balance Mm -hmm. of modern Mm -hmm. enough to satisfy the desires of the modern reader, but not so modern that it takes you completely out of the period Mm -hmm. that you chose. Yes, it's a fine line, but when you hit it right, that's what makes a really good one. Yep. talk about some other tropes we expect to find yes yeah there are so many in this particular subgenre mm-hmm. balls galore uh-huh yes dancing and falling in love and walking to a room without a chaperone <laughs> <laughs> uh and compromising situations oh yes oh, yes Someone getting compromised is a huge trope. Mm -hmm. Uh The forced marriage due Mm -hmm. to being caught in a compromising situation. Yep. Uh, Or marriage of convenience. Exactly. Regency has all the marriage tropes. Marriage of convenience, arranged (laughs) marriages, forced marriages, estranged marriages. Yeah, they don't usually do fake marriages. But there are a lot of fake fake engagements. engagements. Yes. Mm -hmm. Jinx. Uh, there's the reformed rake, I suppose. Uh, yes, the scoundrel. Yes. yes. The cad. The reformation of the, <laughs> the rake. The <rue. laughs> <laughs> I do like those. Oh, I mm. like rakes too. You shouldn't really, but it's one of those things where it works really well in fiction, where it wouldn't in real life. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Although it does work better for me when they are putting it about that they're a rake, but they're not actually. Uh huh. So, you know, everyone assumes that they are, but really, (laughs) it's just their (laughs) reputation. Exactly. Well, if you've got a series where you're kind of working your way through a cast of characters, each one gets their own story in each series. Mm -hmm. Uh If someone's a rake in everyone else's stories and they've had their reformation moment, like right before your story starts, that also works pretty well, too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also interesting wills or inheritances Mm. or entailments if you're reading Austen. (laughs) And it often leads to some of the arranged situation, marriage of convenience situations. Like Mm -hmm. if someone can't inherit unless they've been married. Yep. That's that's the big one. That's what I thought of. My son can't receive this fortune. It will go to charity unless he's married by his 21st birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Michaelmas, I guess. Yes, it would be Michaelmas. (laughs) Bets. We often have a lot of bets in these. Ah, yes. Uh Gambling at White's. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I know so much about whites, except I really don't. Yeah. I only know them from historical <laughs> romance novels. Exactly. Like All Max. It's one of those things where you know a lot uh-huh. about a place from this one particular time period mm-hmm. just because of historical romance novels. Yeah, yeah they're educational. <laughs> they are. <laughs> At least the good the ones. The good ones, yeah. 
House parties are a total thing. I love house parties. That's one of my favorites. Every season, a group of young marriageable prospects (laughs) head to someone or other's country home for a party of a few days. Mm -hmm. And this is usually where engagements occur. Frequently. And it's a great way to get your characters all isolated together in the same place. Yep. Yep. And, uh... It also provides a nice little setting for a mystery to be thrown Indeed. in. Indeed. <laughs> I do like a little mystery with my romance, but so far I haven't really of had. Of course. The... I do feel like a little mystery is more common in Regency romances. Yeah. Or intrigue of some kind. Like mm-hmm. you have someone mm-hmm. who turns thief mm-hmm. to improve their circumstances. Mm-hmm. Or you or have... agent for the crown. An agent for the yes, crown. Yes, there are right? a lot of spy stories. Mm-hmm. Or with secrets. With the Napoleonic War going on. Yep. Yeah. You have the young lady who is trying to hide some kind of minor scandal so Mm -hmm. that she doesn't ruin her marriage prospects. Yes. Either, you know, a past love affair or she's writing a novel, heaven forbid. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Heaven forbid. I love that one. Uh Uh, Duels are not uncommon. Oh, yes. They are illegal. But they're not uncommon. Yes, they are technically illegal, but it's one of those everyone will look the other way if you do it right situations. Oh, okay. So hearkening back to what I said before, bodice ripping. Bodice ripping. Or particularly how easily they get naked. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not true in all of them, but in the bad ones in particular, it's like the clothes just fall off. Well, I mean, their boobs, the ladies' boobs are pushed up to their chin. It's not, you can't see me, but I am pushing my boobs up to my chin at the moment to demonstrate on our audio podcast. Um, (laughs) Boobs are so high and bodices are cut so low. That was just the fashion, especially during the season. That it'd be really, really simple to just like boop. Yeah, I can see that part, but I don't know. I feel like in some, they just the dresses come off really easily, and there's like nothing on underneath. And you're like, that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because she would be wearing the dress, but also a corset and a chemise underneath. Yep. yep. And there's exactly. a lot more layers going on than many of these authors bother to portray. Oh yes. All right, what do you guys expect from the sex in a Regency romance novel? I expect a knowledgeable man uh-huh. and an innocent woman. Yep. Almost across the board. Yeah. yeah. And uh, introduction to kissing and then groping and then <laughs> <laughs> probably no sex until after marriage. For the, yeah, definitely for the most part, mm-hmm. the marriage has to take place first. It occasionally doesn't, but that's often the ones that we talked about that are really anachronistic and yeah. mm-hmm. not quite as realistic because mm-hmm. most women would be much more careful with their reputations. Yep. Oh, yeah. Does that mean that we expect more like sweet level romances? I don't know. Because I don't really think so. No. <laughs> I, I always feel like there's plenty of sex in Regency romance novels. Mm-hmm. But we also don't expect it until after the marriage, and very often the marriage is, like, the peak. Yeah. It's what we've been Mm -hmm. working towards the whole time, and it's (laughs) the end. (laughs) It depends, I think, on which type of novel it is, right? right. Because if you've got... If you've got one where they're working the way up to getting married, if you have less sex beforehand, 
you're not going to have as much until the very end of the novel. So you may Mm -hmm. only get a scene or two. But if it's a marriage of convenience story where they're getting married at the beginning, Mm -hmm. oftentimes the sex scenes are part of the character's development in a really significant way. And so we get Mm -hmm. a lot more of it throughout the story. Either way, I expect a lot of uh, sexual tension and Uh chemistry. Yes, a lot of significant looks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gazes meeting across a ballroom and mm-hmm. and faces flushing. <laughs> yes, because you've got a lot more going on in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have less chances for your characters to meet in private when, you know, that was such a big deal at the time. And so you have to have a lot more understated reading between the lines. There's chemistry there, but they can't actually say anything stuff mm-hmm. going on. Dancing together. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Although you do get a number of just totally sweet romances if you're looking at the more classic stuff. I mean, Jane Austen is kind of the ultimate Regency romance writer. Obviously. And of course, there are no sex scenes in a Jane Austen novel. Uh, No. No. (laughs) Unlike some of the more modern interpretations we've seen on the screen. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Send it to anyone. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) We all watched Sanditon together and we were scandalized. 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 Just like right away. (laughs) Instantly. They need to be married. Married now. This is not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> if he were a decent person, he would have proposed after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any traits of either the hero or the heroine that you expect every time, practically? Besides the innocence and worldliness? Yeah. Part of me expects the hero to be a bit of a curmudgeon. Yeah. Almost always. They're not Mm -hmm. really looking for love. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are, but it is a lot more rare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can still have a sympathetic hero, but typically they're not the ones trying to fall in love. They might Mm -hmm. be looking for a wife, Mm -hmm. but, but they're not looking... To love that wife <laughs> more than physically. Yes, the, the realization that they do actually want to fall in love or marry for love is often a big thing mm-hmm. and it takes a while to get there. Yep. I think we often see more of the, we talked about modern ideals kind of in the characters set in the past. And I think we see that more with our heroines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. To read what a woman actually in the Regency period would go through wouldn't be as fun. No. Historical accuracy is not what we go for in its entirety. Yeah. I was trying to figure out why we can so thoroughly enjoy Jane Austen's romances, and yet in our romance novels set in that same period, we definitely want the heroine to have a little more agency than we usually see. Because Jane Austen was writing in the time, and she was writing truer characters. Yeah. And well, and as they modern don't... romance, we're looking for a story, a, a mm. modern romance. We're not expecting a classic. I just don't think they're the same. So no. even though Austen is the first, the the ideal Regency <laughs> romance novel, like there there are different categories in my mind. We have <laughs> classics, which are Jane Austen, <laughs> and we have romance novels, which are modern creations, just an imitation of. Mm. what Austin was actually living. Yeah, they're different. Have either of you read Georgette Hare? No, not that I know of. Okay, because I haven't read her stuff either, even though she was one of the formative 
influences for the Regency romance novel. She wasn't writing during the Regency like Austen was. She came later. But she also popularized writing in that time period. Um, yeah. And a lot of the, the tropes that we use today kind of originated in those novels. And so I think it'd be interesting to, to try her out and read that and see how much we've kept and how much we haven't and what of the historical inaccuracies that we use a lot mm-hmm. actually came from that instead of, you know, the real time period. Yeah, a comparative study. Julia Quinn is the only author I can think of off the top of my head. She's definitely one of my favorite Regency writers. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, what's her name? Knightley. Erin Knightley. Oh, Erin Knightley. hers. Mm-hmm. Though she oh, writes mostly good. sweet mm-hmm. romances. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really love Lisa Clavis. Both her Wallflower series and her Hathaway series are set in the Regency time period, and they're really good. And she has a lot of other standalones kind of around that time period. She's kind of in with Julia Quinn and the romance author that also has a lot of humor in her writing. I love that. Well, some other other big names would be like Loretta Chase. Oh, yeah. And um, Mary Ballow. Mm-hmm who else primarily writes Regency. There's a lot of Tessa Dare and Elizabeth Hoyt, I think, do a lot. See, I recognize all these names, but I don't think I've read any of them. (laughs) See, I feel like Regency authors, to me, are names that I recognize. And I've often read quite a few of them, but they rarely land on my, oh, I always have to check out this author when they have a new book out list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I might pick one up. It's like, oh, that synopsis looks interesting. Oh, it's this author. I've read them before. Okay. But I'm not seeking out, oh my gosh, this author has a new book coming out. Mm-hmm. Except Julia Quinn and Lisa Clayfuss. Yeah. I do do that with them. But I don't think any of the other authors on my auto-buy list are Regency authors. I'm excited for Regency Month. Me too. I'm excited to do it with you guys. <laughs> I don't know that I'm excited to read a bunch of Regency novels. And I'm excited okay. to do our first uh, historical month, because I believe so far everything we've done has been contemporary. I think you're yeah, right. I think so. So is there anything you're particularly hoping to see this month in our uh, foray into Regency? I'm kind of hoping we see at least one house party. Oh yeah, definitely house party. I feel like it's cheating to say, I hope we see some really good dancing scenes or, uh, you know, conversation yeah. during dancing. There's that one a scene. A ballroom scene. Yes, a ballroom yeah. scene. I'm, I'm sorry. All I could think was, every duke and earl and pierre is here. Everyone <laughs> who should be here is here. That's Edwardian. <laughs> doesn't matter it's the same titles (laughs) but the sentiment is there for sure yes i think it's fair to say we will get ballroom scenes yep it actually i think it'd be really hard to do an entire month of regency romance without getting a single ballroom scene yeah Yeah. maybe that should be our challenge whether we'll be getting (laughs) whether we'll be getting a good one or not though that remains to be seen yep yes okay here's something so according to um Pride and Prejudice, all the young ladies are so very accomplished. Yes. (laughs) They all play piano and draw and embroider cushions. (laughs) But but very often in 
a Regency romance novel, you don't see the heroine with these accomplishments. Or if she has them, she doesn't put them on display, which is kind of odd because that's part of the season is displaying Mm -hmm. your accomplishments. And what do you do all the time if you're not working towards bettering yourself in these small areas? Yeah. I say small areas, but they were huge for them. Right, because if you think about it, Mm -hmm. they were huge for them. And I mean, we think of them as things now that are more hobbies, but it was pretty central to your life back then, as was like running a household. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is very interesting that modern novels tend to leave that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of this rejection of traditional femininity, which which bothers me a little bit because just because someone's embroidering doesn't mean that's unimportant. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're not really good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. I do get annoyed in Regencies where you've got your heroine who's like, well, I don't like embroidery oh, or yes. music or, I can't you know, stand, and they list off all the traditional. That long. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm like, really, lady, this is a huge aspect of your life. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with liking that. Yeah. Nope, if you can't stand that stuff, what are you doing all day? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't often do a good job answering that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that it's weirdly disdainful of every other woman in their life. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with not liking that stuff, but it's the attitude toward it. Everyone the else around action you. itself mm-hmm. that annoys me. Yeah. Yep. It's like you don't like sewing, but that's essential mm-hmm. to your daily lives. Yeah. And it's really rude toward the people who do all of it if you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to sit there and sew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's often an issue. We're told that the heroine is good at this, but we never see her actually doing her job or being good at whatever it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're just like, um, we'd like to flesh out this heroine a little more instead of just assuming things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they tend to tell you she's good at something or not good at something to make you think a certain way about her, even though mm-hmm. they don't show you stuff. Like not being good at these things means she's independent and not like other girls and stuff. But mm-hmm. why is that? Like, show me what that's actually supposed to mean. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about Regency Month. Yeah, it'll and... be interesting to see which tropes we come across this month and uh, see if we can change Zoe's mind about Regency, or if maybe <laughs> Millie and I will side more with her by the end of it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Probably I'll just remain staunchly. We probably in will. Our <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's time for the next chapter. Zoe, what are we reading next week? We'll be reading A Lady's Luck Blue Stocking Battalion by Maggie Dolan. Henry lives to uncover secrets, but this man has everything to hide. Lady Henrietta Bloomfield has built a fortune gambling on the utterly predictable foibles of her peers. When her latest wager falls... A lady gambler? (laughs) Oh my. When her latest wager (laughs) fails, thanks to the stodgy Earl of Colfax and his surprisingly rash behavior, she's more intrigued than disappointed. It seems there's more to the upright Earl than meets the eye, and Henry makes it her mission to discover who he really is. The more she gets to know the real Alistair... (laughs) Alistair? With his dark passion and his mysterious missions, the more she finds him utterly, irresistibly appealing. (laughs) And what she feels when he holds her in his arms? That's enough to make her doubt her sanity. Oh no! (laughs) After all, no sensible woman would lose her heart to a man who's determined to ruin her fun. Oh my gosh, (laughs) what? (laughs) 
Alistair might have found Henry's nosy antics amusing if he didn't have so many secrets to hide. I think we've heard that once or twice. But it's not just his pride on the line. Lives are at stake, including his brother's. He has no choice but to do whatever it takes to distract Henry from her suspicions. And if kisses are the best way to do that, then so be it. (laughs) Now, if only he can kiss her senseless without risking his own heart in the process. Good luck with that. (laughs) Well, there had better be secrets upon secrets in this novel. Yeah, we've been promised some secrets. (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) Catch you next time. Adieu.